0: I'm excited to get back in the word with you all. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, to to Mark chapter 10. We're going to continue our reading in the book of Mark, and it's great to be back. It's great to have my voice back. Uh, great to be able to read with you all and rant with you all. So we'll spend a few moments. I know we're starting a little bit behind, but we're going to spend a few moments in the reading of the word today. And we'll be in Mark chapter 10. And as you know, what we do is, is we commit to asking three questions. Every time we prayerfully read through the scriptures, we ask first, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that we ask is God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we ask is God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And so we will get into the text today and. We're going to open up with prayer and then we're going to get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us to come together, Lord, again, once again, Lord, be it live on Discord or on the podcast or whatever platform uh, that we're here, Father. I just pray that you would bless this moment, bless this time. Lord, engage us in your word, Lord. Reveal to us who you are and, Lord, inspire us today with the truth of your gospel and your message and and, Lord, empower us, Lord, that we may. Be able to do what you've called us to do. So bless us today. Bless us in everything that we do. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter ten, verse one, and it says this Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again, and he was as and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore while god has joined together let not man separate in the house his disciples also asked him again about the same matter so he said to them whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her and if a woman divorces her husband and marries another she commits adultery verse 13 and they brought little children to him that he might touch them but the disciples rebuked those who brought them But when Jesus saw it he was greatly displeased and said to them let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for if such is the kingdom of God assuredly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way. So whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God and the disciples were astonished at his words but Jesus answered again and said to them children how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or father or sister or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many are first will be last and the last first now when they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed and as they followed they were afraid then he took the 12 aside again and began to teach them the things that would happen to him behold we are going up to Jerusalem And the son of man will be betrayed by the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the gentiles and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him and the third day he will rise again then james and john the sons of zebedee came to him saying teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask and he said to them what do you want me to do for you they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called to them, sorry, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you and throwing aside his garment he rose and came to Jesus so Jesus answered and said to him what do you want me to do for you the blind man said to him Rabboni that I may receive my sight Then Jesus said to him go your way your faith has made you well and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road Mark chapter 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat, loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, what are you doing? Sorry, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it and immediately. He will send it here. So they went their way. Sorry. So they went their way, and found found a colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to him, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw it. And threw their clothes on it and he sat on it and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest and Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple So when he had looked around at all the things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again and his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And he taught, saying to them, It is not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Tough. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? and who gave you authority to do these things but Jesus answered and said to them i also will ask you one question then answer me and i will tell you by what authority i do these things the baptism of john was it from heaven or from men answer me and they reasoned among themselves if we say from heaven he will say why then did you not believe him but if we say from men they fear the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed so they answered and said to Jesus we do not know and Jesus answered and said to them neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things <laughs> I'm going to stop right there and just spend a few moments on these two chapters How? Um, You know, you'll hear me say this over and over again, that our time in the word, especially when we're reading through the reading and rant, is uh, beautifully frustrating. And what I mean by beautifully frustrating is we're really submitting ourselves to what the spirit is leading us to, uh, to reflect on in our time when we're reading the word. Beautiful in that sense. It's frustrating because you look at the text and you're like, oh my goodness. So many things to actually unpack so many things to look, look at, and so many things to break down. I mean, man, Jesus is teaching about marriage and divorce. Then the second part of the text, Jesus is blessing the little children. And then we look at another part of the text, Jesus is is speaking to the rich man, the rich ruler, as the text says. And then we see Jesus speaking about his death and resurrection. We see how the interaction that Jesus has with James and John, the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder and them asking to posture themselves to be positioned that is right and left. And then we see Jesus go. And healed the blind Bartimaeus. And then in chapter 11, we see Jesus' triumphal entry. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and boy, did he come and he wrecked house. He comes into Jerusalem at a time when the entire country is coming to Jerusalem, the entire nation is coming there. Jerusalem is the center of jewish faith judaic faith and they're all coming there at this particular time to celebrate the passover jesus enters into the city of course again predicting his death and jesus goes into the temple as scriptures tell us that he goes in and he begins to dismantle the institutions in the temple the economic institution the economic power He begins to cleanse the temple of greed and power. And of course we know what happens. The Pharisees, of course, who begin to plot his demise because they are threatened by him. And then of course we see Jesus teaching on prayer once more and, and, and he teaches about forgiveness and prayer. And how important it is for us to forgive when we pray. And to forgive in order to experience forgiveness. And again, this is a conversation for another day, because if there's anything we have a hard time doing is forgiving. And yet what he's saying in the text is that if we forgive, we can experience his forgiveness. And he's saying that sometimes our inability to forgive others prohibits our ability to truly experience his forgiveness. It's another conversation for another day. Hmm. I'm getting to something here. Then of course they, at the end of our text, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the cultural, social, and political powers of their time, come again, the chief priests come and they ask him, by what authority does he do these things? And of course, I like how you guys just said it. Jesus is like, you can mind your own business because the authority by which I do these things, you care not about because you serve under a different authority. I'm bringing all these up because these are all. Each one of those portions can be an entire read and rant. (laughs) Right. Each one of those portions can be an entire, you know, wow, we we should just work on that part. Wow. We should just work on that part. Wow. We should just work on that part. So where are we going to go today? And what are we going to do? In the same way that Matthew points to Jesus, and really the tone of Matthew is to point to Jesus as the fulfillment of Israel's promise, as the fulfillment of Israel's restoration, the kingdom of God, which they were waiting for. Mark. Points directly to how Jesus ministers and administrates the kingdom of God. Mark is pointing to, well, while Matthew spoke about what Jesus had done, this is the work of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, to bring to light the kingdom of God and how it looks when the kingdom of God engages with the forces of evil. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to engage with pride? What does it look like for the kingdom of God to engage with envy? what does it look like for the kingdom of God to engage with power? Secular power. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to engage with religious control? What does it look like for the kingdom of God to engage with the heart? If I can put all this together, we can begin to thread a message just from everything that we read, is that where the kingdom of God enters, it shifts the very environment and the space that it enters. When the kingdom of God enters, it begins to disturb and disrupt the dynamic of what is happening. And what is transpiring when the kingdom of God enters, it's like, it's like when you have a cup of vinegar and you put some baking soda in it. Anybody ever done those volcano experiments? You put a little bit of baking soda in it and all of a sudden the entire dynamic of the solution begins to change, it gets disrupted. It starts to bubble up. And what we're seeing is a bubbling up. I'll say this to you, family. When the kingdom of God enters into your workplace, there should be a bubbling up. When the kingdom of God enters into your home, there should be a bubbling up when the kingdom of God enters into, oops, ready for this, your church, there should be a bubbling up. There should be a disturbance. There should be a discomfort from the institutions and the power that be. I find that often when we talk about the work that God is calling us to do when it comes to the kingdom, we're often looking to appease the systems not realizing that there's a greater demonic, satanic agenda that seeks to, to, to kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But if the kingdom of God that comes to give a life and to give life in abundance enters into the space where the agenda of the enemy is to destroy There will be a bubbling up. There will be a discomfort. There will be a shaking up. There will be this is the Mentos in the Coca-Cola. I know y'all seen the videos. It is as long as you and it doesn't take much, it just takes a little bit. I might call this episode Mentos and (laughs) Coca-Cola. Because what we see happening here. Is we see what transpires when the kingdom of God enters into Paparazzi, yeah, right? When the kingdom of God enters into a space, there's a disturbance, there's a shakeup, there's a turning around, there's a discomfort. And there you go, Mary. Thank you for that. Okay, she's okay. Oh, my goodness. I was not ready for that. This is what's happening right now. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there is a status quo in Jerusalem. There's a religious system. And this religious system has gone from generation to generation, to generation, to generation, giving those with power, those with control, Continue power and control, and yet now Jesus comes in and he disturbs the environment. I say all this because, at the core, what Jesus has come to do is not fight the system. Jesus has come to transform the heart. Because if the heart is transformed, then the system will be defeated. You guys may have heard me say this before, but often when we talk about Satan, we talk about Satan as a, you know, some like weird looking red angel with fangs with and pitchfork and horns on his head. And, and we have these images of Satan as like, you know, the, the the good angel on the right and the evil angel on the left. And so we have all these different images of, of Satan. And and so we think of Satan as the devil and yes, Satan has become the devil. And yet Satan is more than that. Satan is the opposer. Satan has become and is and continues to be a system. And now to disturb the system requires a change and a transformation of heart. The heart needs to be transformed. And I think, and this is just a side rant before I get to my final point. I think what's happening today, and this is where we go wrong. This is where the church goes wrong often. This is where a lot of social justice movements go wrong. This is where a lot of, um, um, uh, institutions and nonprofits often go wrong. Is we sometimes address the system, the symptoms, but we don't address the disease. We go and we look at the evils of the world and we address the system, but we sorry the symptoms, but we don't address the system. And the system has no problem with us addressing the symptoms because the system can still remain the system. As long as the system isn't addressed, you can address one symptom here but the symptom will return once again. This is what's propagated from generation to generation. And so there are symptoms and there are systems. And the system does not want to be addressed. Symptoms are an indicator. That's exactly right. Symptoms are not the disease. But when the disease comes in, sorry, when the cure comes in, and the disease is disturbed, then the system is disturbed. Jesus is entering with the kingdom and the kingdom is not fighting to go after the system. This is the problem we have. We wanna chase after racism. We wanna fight racism. Racism is a symptom. We wanna fight poverty. Poverty is a symptom oh man, I'm going to get myself in trouble today. We want to fight progressivism. Progressivism is a system. We want to fall, we want to fight Nazism or Marxism or all these isms and all the isms, all the isms that are out there are all symptoms. The isms are symptoms. The disease Is the heart. Let me say it one more time. The disease is in the heart. And boy does the enemy love what we do today. The enemy loves that we fight with one another. The enemy loves that we argue. We argue, you know, socialism is the greatest evil in the world. No, it is not. And then you have the conservatives that argue that the, or the socialists who, who argue that conservatism is the greatest evil. And they talk about all the evils of conservatism and, and no, it's not the greatest evil either. And of course, those who've suffered through racism, who've experienced racism, we've seen it, it is not the greatest evil or we see sex trafficking or sexual abuse. It is not the greatest evil. The greatest evil is in the heart because what is in it is pride. What is in it is anger. What is in it is all the evil desire, everything that we see that transpires comes out of the ego. Yes. The ego. And so while we're quick to point at someone else's evil, not realizing that evil is just the same, just different flavors. Ah, but when the kingdom comes in, it's like, you know, I'm going to really roll with this analogy, but we're going to run with this analogy for a minute. You can use Coca-Cola. You can use Dr. Pepper. You can use Sprite. You put the Mentos in it and it's going to react the same way. It's going to react the same way because they're all different flavors of the same thing. And Often we choose the flavors that we prefer but it doesn't make it right. Jesus is coming or came. As we see here in the text, Jesus came to address the heart. And this is the consistent thread that we see here. As Jesus comes in, they're asking Jesus about marriage and divorce, the institution of marriage and the institution of divorce. What? The political system behind it. What did Jesus say? He says, because of your own hearts. That was what Jesus says in verse five. Jesus said, yes, he permitted divorce, but it's because of the hardness of your heart. Ready for this? This is how we know that we've systematized it because we've turned this text into rules in the church regarding marriage and divorce. And we miss the point of what Jesus is actually trying to teach. The point of why this story is even in the text. It's not in the text to create a law on marriage and divorce. But rather it's put in the text to reveal how the law does not transform the heart. So Jesus tells them, it's because of the hardness of your own heart. And then he goes to the next scripture. And he says, be like the children. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God, matters of the heart. The rich young ruler who said, I follow all the rules. I'm good at following the system. Jesus says to him, you got one last thing to do. And that's to give up all your riches is Jesus saying in the same way. Again, we can go back to go back to the first text. If you take the first scripture on divorce, literally. Then you have to take this portion of the scripture on divorce, literally. Oh, I'm getting in trouble today. We're going to get in trouble today. You have to take this scripture because if you take this scripture on divorce, literally it then it must mean that we were all called to be poor. Not a single one of us should be rich. So it must be then that Jesus is actually pointing to something else. We either choose pick one or the other. I know I'm getting in trouble today. I'm not even going to do, we should do all Bible study on marriage and divorce because that's that's a, that's been a divisive topic in the church. But that's not why I'm here. I'm getting to my point, y'all. I'm getting to my point. Jesus tells him, Oh, yeah, you've done all those things, but one last thing you need to do, give away all your possessions and you'll have the treasure in heaven. And he was sad and went away. And what was he speaking there? He said, what? Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? He's talking about the matter of their heart. The rich man may have been You know, religious, self-righteous, maybe. But that evil is still in his heart. That mentos is coming in in the system. I find it so interesting that even in that text, there's another side note, is that when he tells the rich man to give up everything, the rich man literally, he leaves depressed. He leaves sad. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The issue was his heart. His heart was in his riches. It was not in Jesus. It was in himself and not anything else. And then Jesus says to the disciples, with men it is impossible, but not with God. Because with God all things are possible. I love how people use that text to speak on, you know, You know, God's going to do all things for me. It's all things are possible with God. Look at where Jesus is saying this and what context he's saying this in. Jesus is saying this within the context of your heart transformation. I hope y'all see where I'm going here. Jesus is saying it's impossible for men to change your heart. You can have men change your mind. You can have men change your thought process. You can have men manipulate you. You can have all those things, but for your heart to be transformed, only God can do that. That's actually what the text is saying. only God can do that. I know we like to use it to say that God's going to make me a million dollars because with God, all things are possible. Wrong. That's not what the text is saying. But anyway, it's another conversation for another day. As Jesus is going into Jerusalem, he's disturbing because he's bringing the kingdom, he's disturbing the system, he's disturbing the system, he's disturbing the system. This man who had, who was blind and could now see speaks into the truth of what the kingdom does i I you know maybe we could do another like angle of the Gospels to see how Jesus is actually ministering the gospel through the miracles. Remember these were. These were miraculous events, but more importantly, they were signs. Remember that. They were signs. That's the part that we miss. Signs point to things. And everything that that Jesus is doing is pointing to the kingdom. It's pointing to, hey guys, can you see the kingdom? Can Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? There it is. Can you see it? but there's one interesting part of this text is on the fig tree and notice what Jesus does there is first he tells the fig tree he was hungry, went there 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 was no fruit there Jesus sees no fruit there and he tells that tree that that tree will bear fruit no more Jesus was talking about Israel because the disciples heard it, they didn't fully understand it. Then Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Jesus is prophetically speaking into what he sees already. The next day, when they had come out, um, after, after Jesus no, notice, I want, you, I want you to see this because this is so powerful. He says, He looks at the tree, he tells the tree tree that it has the leaves, but it doesn't have the fruit. As the leaves it looks healthy, but there's actually no fruit. It looks like it should produce fruit, but there is no fruit. And the scriptures say that Jesus comes to it, look what it says in verse 13, and he finds nothing on it but leaves. Finds nothing but leaves. So we go, wall, the tree was supposed to bear fruit. It even says that it's not the season for the figs. But yet Jesus' response says that, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Jesus knew this wasn't the season for figs, but Jesus was pointing to Israel. He was saying, man, I see see Israel's leaves. It looks healthy. It looks like it's a fruit-bearing plant, but it actually bears no fruit. And no one from this moment will eat fruit from this tree ever again. What does Jesus do right after making that prophetic statement? Jesus goes to the temple. I want you to see, I'm giving you some perspective here, a little bit of Bible study, a little bit of reading here so you can see it. Jesus goes to the temple and what does he do? He clean, he cleanses the temple. He says, this house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then after Jesus cleanses the temple, then he goes the next morning and they go and see the fig tree again. This is intentional in the text. Very intentional to show here. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the institution. I'm talking about the system. That up to this point, has leaves but does not have fruit and he said this is what's going to happen the fig tree dried up and peter remembering said to him rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed has withered away and now you understand if you understand within that context then you'll understand then why jesus says have faith in god I know sometimes that looks confusing for some people because they really go I don't know where Jesus is going with this. I don't I don't understand. How do you how do you go from Wow, the tree has no fruit to have faith in God. Now you'll understand it because you sandwiched in between Jesus cursing the tree to now they see a dead tree in between that was Jesus cleansing the temple. And so now Jesus begins to tell them that It is the faith in God that's going to produce. It is your faith in God, not faith in the system, not faith in the fig tree. The fig tree is dead. The system is dead because it did nothing to transform the heart. But now there's a new system, and it's a system of faith. What Paul calls the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set us free from the law of sin and death. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay, I don't have enough time. The mountain is a system. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew people saw mountains as areas of influence. They saw mountains as systems. Jesus points to a mountain. He says, whoever says to this mountain be removed. I hope you guys understand. There were very many mountains in that area. (laughs) So what mountain was Jesus talking about? A system. Faith will give you power to overcome the system. I'm sorry, y'all, this needs to turn to a Bible study. <laughs> this needs to turn to a Bible study. We got to talk about these mountains being removed and these fig trees drying up. And he's saying faith is the power because faith is what will transform the heart. And if faith transforms the heart. That is where true power comes from. And so family today, if you ask, where is the disturbance happening? It's happening in each and every one of our hearts. If the heart is transformed then the world is transformed, Jesus did not come to simply take down the government of Israel or to even take down the religious institution. Jesus knew the way that our world will be healed is that the heart is transformed and the heart is changed towards him. And so today, as we navigate through our day-to-day, let's be aware of the work that God is doing. He doesn't just want us to do outreach. He wants us to operate in his power, which first begins in the transformation of our heart. So we ask for the Lord to transform our hearts, be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds. Love you guys. God bless you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, even as we come today, Lord, just spend a few moments in your word. Lord, we know what the kingdom does. We know that it's disturbing things. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for even now, hearts that are being transformed towards you, changed, Lord God, restored, brought to life being quickened together, as Paul says in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, being quickened together, Father, I I thank you that you're quickening us. And Lord, even as you do that, Lord, we're aware, Lord, that things are shaking up around us. And I know there are folks right now who they have experienced this. They know what's happening, that even as the Lord is doing something in them, they feel that, that vibration. They feel that energy. They feel the power of things changing around them. So father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in them and the boldness that you've given them. And so father, I ask that you continue to do the work in them for, if you. Begin a good thing, you will complete it Complete it in us. Lord God, continue to teach us the work that you've done and Lord, in your example, Lord, continue to point us to your kingdom. We say that in Jesus name. Amen. Love y'all fam.